0: So, no preacher goes unprayed for, uh, so I'm going to pray for Andrew. Pray with me, please, Um, as I pray for him and yourselves. God, I thank you again for gathering us together. God, I pray that you would anoint Andrew's mind with lips and tongue. God, that he would speak words from you. God, I pray that you would also anoint our minds as hearers, God, that we would not let these words fall on deaf ears, but God, that we would take them in and that we would actually. Abide by your teachings, God. We pray that you would change us from this point forward, God, that we would be taking these things and going into the city and going into our families and going into our neighborhoods and changing the entire world, God, by simple obedience. God, we love you. And we ask that you would change us now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. Good to see y'all. Kyle got that in just in time. I haven't been up here in quite a while, so uh, I'm pretty happy to be back. It's good to be back. Good to see your faces. Okay, so thank you, Jeremy. Jeremy's happy to see my face. Uh, So I did a Bible study last Wednesday, and usually I have a rule that I never teach the same lesson twice, but I'm actually going to break that rule and teach the lesson that I taught on Wednesday. Uh, because I like it so much and because I think God's probably going to do something different with this lesson than we did last time. So uh, you can see the title there, it's Suffering and Endurance, meaning pain and the struggle to see a good future. And so one of the topics that you see from the Bible after the fall, after we sin, uh, is this topic of suffering and pain and human suffering in particular. And one of the biggest questions in the heart of human beings is this question of why. Why do we suffer? Why do bad things happen to good people? There's whole bunches of variations of that question, is why. Second question is, when is it time to quit? When is it time to quit? When is it time to give up? And uh, as you would probably know if you know me, if you hear a sermon from me, you're probably going to hear a a reference to Navy SEALs, and this sermon is no different. You know, in the SEAL teams, when you're going for your training, if you're going to quit, they make it extremely difficult for you to quit. They have your helmet that has your name on it, and then what you're supposed to do is go to your instructor, tell the instructor that you no longer want to participate in the training, you go up to this bell, and you ring the bell, and then you put your helmet down so that you can shame your father with your last name by saying, I am a quitter. This is how they do it. Uh, but in maybe field culture, that's very different from our culture. We are in a culture of quitters. And it's like I said last week, one of the easiest ways to know what a culture is, is by the language. Language is probably the number one indicator of a given culture. If you get off of an airplane, and the person greets you and says, As-salamu alaykum, where are you? Huh? Lewiston. The Middle East? <laughs> Lewiston. <laughs> that's very good. Probably in the Middle East or a Muslim country, because that is Arabic and that's how they talk. If you get off the airplane and they say, Hola, como esta? Where are you? Colombia, Puerto Rico, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> your language indicates your culture. You say, Andrew, why are you saying we're in a quitting culture? Uh, have you ever said the following? I'm sick and tired of blank. I've had enough of X person. I am shared on with this. Anybody ever said that? <laughs> All of those are quitting statements. Isn't that true? You say you're done with this? It means that you're done with the situation. I quit. I'm over this person. I'm over it. It's usually what we say when we can't get along with a person. I'm over that person. What you're saying is I'm quitting on that person. I don't want to sit there and have to deal with you anymore. I'm quitting on the situation. See, our culture has quitting wired into it. We are in a culture of quitters. So here's a couple questions. Why do we suffer? And why do we quit? And what is God doing when he's looking down at us? You know, the Christian church from our inception, from the beginning, is full of these amazing heroes of the faith. Just amazing people. People. Regular, normal people that started doing supernatural, crazy stuff. Now I'm not talking about like raising people from the dead or anything crazy like that, which is also cool. I'm talking about being dragged into a stadium and getting eaten alive by lions and singing while it's happening. That type of grace. I'm talking about Polycarp, who they threatened to burn him at the stake. And he said, 60 in three years, I've served my Lord and he's done me no wrong, so I will not betray him. Just crazy stuff like, whoa, dude, they're gonna set you on fire until you die. Endurance, just craziness. Women being brought into the arena and the soldier so afraid to kill her that she takes the sword and angles the sword to her throat so the guy can kill her correctly. Like, just amazing endurance at the end of their life. Perpetua, thank you. I forgot. Just amazing, amazing people. How do we go from that, that's our heritage. Those are our mothers and fathers. Those are the people that began Christianity with Jesus. How do we go from that to, I am Sir Don Lucas Carson. How do we go from that to, I can't deal with this situation anymore. All right. Well, let's go. Romans chapter 5. We're going to talk about suffering and endurance. And we talk about suffering a lot at at Cell. Um, And, you know, sometimes it can get get pretty heavy. What I would say to you is this question. Have you ever heard anybody ever say, man, I just came back from a two-week resort and my life has changed forever. I discovered something new about myself at this awesome resort where I had this 12 hour nap. And, this 12 hour <laughs> nap, and now my life has changed forever. <laughs> Most of your change comes through pain and suffering. So we're going to talk about it. Let's go. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 5, starting from verse 2. Through him, who's the him? Jesus. What does it say? We. Have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we what? Rejoice. Oh my goodness. We what? Rejoice. We what? Rejoice! Oh, okay. He's like, oh we rejoice. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you guys have suffered. We rejoice, okay? And we rejoice in what? In the hope of what? Rising around. The glory of God, right? Very good. no, you're not wrong because you can't Uh rejoice in the glory of God unless you rise from the dead. That's okay. Good. Okay, now look. Isn't this true? The glory of God is our hope. And so Paul says, we rejoice in that. Now there's whole churches and whole ministries built around a Christianity that has only that verse. Where you're going to rejoice all the time. Here's this nice guy from Texas, I used to drive by his facility when I used to live in Texas, has a very bright, brilliant smile, and he only talks about how awesome Christianity is, and how fun it is, and how much blessing he has, I'm not going to name him, alright? Well, is that true? Yes, it's true, he it says right there, rejoice in the glory of God, of course, that is Christianity. This is also Christianity. I have a clicker. Look, here's the other Christianity that many of us don't like. Look, not only that, but we, what? We rejoice in our sufferings. Is that true? You rejoice in your sufferings? You notice it's plural, sufferings? Sufferings. How many of you are only going through one thing right now? Well, I mean, isn't it true... i trying to survive. I agree. So am I. I'm trying to get through this sermon. <laughs> isn't it true that when you suffer, you usually suffer in bunches? Yep. You know, I got a bum knee. And I had a bad tooth. So I went to the dentist. I, got, I was forced to go to the, the dentist. I actually went to the emergency room. That was like, it broke my 15-year streak of never going to the doctor. So I went to the dentist, I sat down, and I had this one hurt tooth that was killing me, it's horrible, it's terrible. And um, the dentist sat down, and he looked at my chart, and he's a real nice guy, nice Korean dude. He sat down, he looked at my chart, and then he looked at me and said, How long since you've been to dentists? I said, eh, 15 years. He put on his little thing. Oh my God. I've got three extractions, okay? Coming down the pipe. Suffering happens in bunches. That's why the Bible says sufferings, plural. You're going to suffer plurally, if that's a word. Yes, it is. You're going to suffer plurally. It's going to come to you in bunches. Most of you have one major thing that you're trying to get over and you're trying to get past. But if you really look at your life right now, you'd probably say to yourself, Okay, I have sufferings. I have problems. Most people don't have a problem. They have problems. Isn't that true? I yes. And your problems run the gamut from a stubbed toe to a compound fracture. You know, a stubbed toe, you stub your toe. Ah, okay. It hurts for about 20 seconds. You move on with your life. Compound fracture, bone sticking through the skin. Okay. And your suffering is probably on that scale, right? And right. here's what happens. You walk around with a compound fracture and your buddy has a stubbed toe. Your buddy says, Ah, I stubbed my toe. And what do you say? Big deal. Big deal! I had compound fracture. Your suffering is no longer relevant. Every time we talk about suffering, this is what happens. You see, people go, okay, well, this, this verse can't be about me because I got a comp- It's a little thing. I got a compound fracture. This is not about me. Notice it says sufferings. And I would submit to you, it's everything in that spectrum. From your compound fracture, sorry, from your stub toe to your compound fracture, it's everything in between. God has a purpose for all of them, not just the big things. I mean, you realize this, that most of life is just boring, mundane, everyday stuff. Thankfully, most of us don't have compound fractures every day. But you do have stub toes every day, isn't that true? So this is suffering's plural. All of them are designed for something. Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. This is a clue. This is why when I said rejoice, I was like, rejoice. The reason you rejoice in suffering is because you know something. And if you do not know something, then you won't rejoice. There's a certain knowledge you have to have within your suffering, in order for you to rejoice, that if you do not have, you will not rejoice. If you are miserable all the time in your suffering, it's because one of two things is true. You have either been ignorant of a fact that Paul is going to talk about in a second, or you have forgotten a fact that Paul is going to talk about in a second. You're either ignorant, meaning you lack knowledge, or you have forgotten, means you have lost knowledge. And my job in the next 20 minutes is to give that to you or restore it to you. Okay. So Paul says that we rejoice in our suffering because suffering produces what? Endurance. Okay. God's looking down at church full of people. like, I got a church full of quitters here. I'm not a quitter. But you're not going to die a quitter. No way. I need you to help me out, brother. I need you to. I need you to let me finish this sentence. I'm sorry. I love you. It's okay. I, I love that you're participating. I do. I'm listening. Amen. I got a church full of quitters, except for Boy. But the rest of us, most of us, are quitters. How's God gonna fix that? Well, He's gonna give us endurance through suffering, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So here's what it looks like in my mind. Okay, look at that. I got a little PowerPoint. So you got endurance, and then endurance produces character, and then character produces hope. That's God's plan in your suffering. God has purpose in your suffering. You're not aimlessly stubbing your toe. You never aimlessly had a compound fracture a day in your life. Every tear you have ever cried in your life has a purpose. And there's millions of reasons why, but here's three. Endurance, character, and hope. Number one, what does it mean to produce? It says it produces something. Well, the Greek word actually means... To prepare one, someone, or something for use. Prepare someone or something for use, especially by working it. And the example my Bible dictionary gave me was like soil. You got a garden in your heart. Many of you didn't know that. You got a garden in your heart. And there is fruit that comes from the garden of your heart. Okay? And some of you have good fruit that are getting produced and you have bad fruit. God is preparing the soil of your heart through suffering. But it's for a purpose. You know, you have, uh, you know, one of the things that happens, these four people in the uh, SEAL training, they have this thing called Hell Week. The guys get to sleep, it's about seven days, they get to sleep for about, you know, four hours out of seven days. And they're doing all this live fire exercise. So you're standing here, and your instructor's standing here, and he's yelling in your face, March, get down! Yelling all over the place. And I'm watching, I'm like, why are you talking to like that? Just get to sleep. slept in a couple of days. You know why I ended up doing that? I'll tell you why. There's this movie out, uh, Lone Survivor. It's about these four Navy SEALs. They got caught behind enemy lines. And, uh,. To the title, only one of those four guys survived, and they made a movie out of it. I actually saw—don't go look this up. Now I said that people are gonna go look it up. I have done that. Just forget I said that. I actually saw the actual video, the real video of the assaults where these these were wow. going after these four Navy SEALs, and the entire mountain sounded like. It was just thunderclap after thunderclap, just loud gunshots for hours on end. And so, if you're communicating with your buddy, do you think they're going to be communicating with you in nice, respectable tones? No, they're going to yell and scream at each other. So, they get trained in training the way they're going to experience life in the battlefield. Have you ever thought to yourself, That maybe your suffering was preparatory. Maybe God was preparing you for something. Maybe it was giving you a level of endurance that now you can endure things that you would not have been able to endure otherwise unless you went through that. I mean, haven't you ever looked back at your life and thought to yourself, man, that really sucked what happened to me. But it gave me a certain strength to endure now what I'm going through now. And so, when it says it produces, it is a pain with purpose. Why do you suffer? Why are you going through the numerous sufferings you're going through right now? From all the different scales, from your compound fracture to your, to your stub toe. All of it is to prepare you for something. It's to prepare the soil in your heart to produce fruit. I mean, all of us say we want to be like Jesus. Who wants to be like Jesus. You know what the Bible calls Jesus in Isaiah 53, a man of sorrows. Yep. The man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Many of us say things in Christianity that we honestly don't mean. You don't want to be like Jesus. Why not? You want people crucifying you, dragging you through the street, lying about you constantly, being ungrateful to you when you pour your whole life out for them. You want that? It's honorable. It is honorable. You want to experience it? No. Probably not. Do you really want to be like Jesus? I don't know. Now notice, (laughs) it's preparatory. What does endurance mean? What is endurance? Here's the definition of endurance. The capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. The power to withstand hardship or stress. How are you doing with that? You know, most of sin, many of the things that that are sinful and bad and wrong are just us quitting. You're stressed out, so you're going to go to your drug. You don't wanna deal with the stress. So you're gonna go to your drugs. Now let's get beyond going to drugs is bad. Okay, fine, going to drugs is bad. But that's not the issue tonight. The issue is, it's quitting. You are being prepared for something by God, but you don't wanna endure that stress. You want a vacation from that stress. So you're gonna tap out and go do your drug. Whatever it is, alcohol, weed, pornography, that is a drug. All of it. And again, I'm not here to beat you up and say it's bad and wrong. That's between you and God. What I'm saying is, you're quitting. And if God's design in your suffering is to build you up for something, you are now shortchanging yourself. You have now missed an opportunity. And God's up there going this again. Okay, now we're going to have to cycle back and go through the same thing in a different way because I'm still trying to build that in you. You see, even though you're a quitter, guess who's not a quitter? God. He's not gonna quit on you. You know, he had those people in Israel. They wouldn't listen to him. So he said, words, you're not gonna listen to me? Okay, let's hang out for 40 years. And do you know for every single day of those 40 years when those rebellious people were in the woods, God was with them. Some of y'all are straight rebellious. Some of us are so rebellious and we quit all the time and God's there. I'm not going to quit on you. We're going to go around this mountain again for the 9,876 times. God's good. He has endurance and we are being given the opportunity to build endurance. So here you go. I have a question for you. I just gave you a a sneak peek. Now, I don't go out in the woods. You know what I mean? I, let's say, we don't see a lot of brothers in the woods, we just don't do it. There's ticks. there's bears, there's Jason, the guy at the hockey mask, we don't go out in the woods, do right? we just don't do it. Hunters that accidentally would hit a brother. There's seals out there too. You're out, so let's just say, I make the mistake and say okay, I'm gonna go out in the woods, right? You have this uh, granola bar, right? What's the point of the granola bar? Feed the bears.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's yeah, more yeah. the granola bar?
0: Sustenance. Wow. Sustenance. You need fuel. So it's okay. Here's this granola bar, and it's filled with all these proteins and whatever, and carbohydrates to give you the energy to go where you need to go. What you need for endurance is fuel. Now watch this. Watch this. I'm going to teach you how to endure. This is us. this is the reason some of you are quitters. You're beating yourself up with your drug addiction and your, and your uh, you know, porn addiction. Okay, I'm explaining to you why you're such a quitter. And now we have the way out. Look at this. Here's Jesus, John chapter six. He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that what? Endures. endures. How are you gonna endure? You know how you're gonna endure? You're gonna endure if you have food that endures. If you have food that perishes or quits, then you're going to quit. But if you have fuel that endures, then you're going to endure. Isn't that true? Now watch. Which the Son of Man will give to you. So there's something that Jesus can give to you that will endure and help you endure. What is it? I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is what? What? My flesh. What is Jesus saying here? At the end of this verse, people freak out. You're going to give us your flesh to eat? See you later. This is what he's saying. He's saying, later on in verse 63, I think he said, he says, um, the flesh profits nothing. The spirit gives eternal life. The words I have spoken to you are spirit in their life. He's talking about spiritual eating. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual eating. And he's saying, I'm going to give you my flesh for you to eat. Meaning... What I did for you on the cross, when he literally gave his flesh and blood, you know, in John 6, he says, my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink, is what he said. He says, what I did for you on the cross, and the access to God that it now gives you, dwell on that, eat that, drink that. Look at Jesus as if, you will not be able to endure another second unless you're somehow eating and drinking Christ. Some of you eat and drink other people. You ever heard somebody say that you're sucking the life out of me? Give me a break. Stop texting me. It's 3.30 in the morning. Stop all the time coming to me for everything. You know who will never say that to me? Jesus. Jesus will never tell you that you're sucking the life out of me. You know why? Because he's giving you the life out of it, And he has an eternal supply. And he says the life that he has to give to you endures forever. Like everything else that you feed your spirit on is going to perish. What are you feeding your spirit on? You see, this changes discussions about what can I watch, what can I not watch, what can I do, what can I not do, what places can I go, where can I go, how far can I go with blah, 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 blah. Well, is it feeding you? Is it enduring food or food that's going to perish? Very simple question. I was watching a movie yesterday about World War I, 1914, Christmas Eve. And it was about these soldiers. There were German soldiers, or the bad guys. And then you had the Scotsmen and then you had Frenchmen. It was Christmas Eve. And there was this singer over in Germany, on the German side. And so they, they brought in these Christmas trees, and it's literally trench warfare, okay? And they brought in these Christmas trees, and then the guy on the German side starts singing. Well, the guy on the front the, the Scotsman recognized the tune. It was a Christmas carol about Jesus. Until so the Scotsman starts playing his bagpipe along with the tune. And then the German guy starts singing, he gets out of his trench. By the way, this is a true story. German guy gets out of his trench, okay? And 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 walks over and hands a Christmas tree in the middle of the battlefield. And what ends up happening is the German, the French, and the Scotsman get together for Christmas and they say, okay, let's have a truce. Nobody's going to kill each other. The war's not going to be decided tonight. Let's just have a truth. And they had a church service. I said, man, look what Jesus does. One little song about Jesus. Oh, they said, okay, the truce was over. The truth was over. Let's go back to killing each other. And then uh, and then the, the, the German guy shows up at the French guy's trench. And the French guy says, "What are you doing? The juice is over." And the German guy's like, "Yeah, I know, but they're they're gonna shell your your trench in about ten minutes. So if you guys want to come hang out with us, that'd be cool." <laughs> so they get up. This is a whole true story. They get up and march over to the the German side, and then, sure enough, ten minutes later, Bruh! and the uh, the Scotsman looks over at the the German guy and says, "Well." Our guys are probably going to retaliate, so if you guys want to hang out with us, they can walk over. Yeah. And it ended up happening that they basically, the, the generals had to send everybody to different places because these guys would not kill each other anymore. One song about Jesus. Now, how do you feel about Jesus right now? You love him, don't you? Don't you? Uh, I don't know. Silent Matter. Silent Matter. It was Silent Matter, I promise. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. The name of the movie is Joy of the Note. Here's the point of what I'm saying. That movie edified me. It built me up. It gives me strength to endure. I saw Jesus in that movie, man. I said, look at the power of Jesus Christ. You know, I've been wrestling with this whole thing about killing people and what's a just war, what's an unjust war, and I thought to myself, Man, if everybody would have been singing. You know how many people died in World War I and World War II? These guys refused to kill each other because they one song about Jesus. Here's my point. What are you fueling yourself on? Are you ingesting things that are going to fuel you for the next day? Are you ingesting things that are going to give you power to endure Are you just taking stuff within you that's going to destroy you? Some of the stuff doesn't even give you a kicker for five minutes to endure spiritual trauma. It's destructive. So what I would say to you is when you ask that question, when you're in that situation, you've got drugs, you've got so many options. Feed on Christ in whatever way you possibly can. Feed on Him. He'll never tell you that you're sucking the life out of him. Now let's keep defining words because Paul says suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. What's character? Now this one is very interesting. The quality of being proven to be dependable and reliable. What is God telling you when you're suffering? What is God telling you when you're suffering? More war movies. Here we go. Black Hawk Down. These two guys were left, and they said, he, he looks at his captain, and he goes, why are you leaving me on this corner? And the captain turns and says, because you're reliable. He, he was be scared, it was because he was scared, but because you're reliable. <laughs> so he goes, oh, okay. So he starts, you know, shooting or whatever, and he turns to his buddy, and he goes, I hate being reliable, man. This is how we are. Suffering produces a certain endurance in you that produces a character that, yeah. watch this, can be relied upon by God. we say again. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character that can be relied upon by God. You go, oh, he's God, you he don't rely on anybody. I know that. But the word, that's what the word means. I don't know what to tell you. God doesn't need you. I know that, but what I'm saying is for your little assignment, can God rely on you to complete the assignment? And suffering says, God is saying, yes, I'm going to assign this a portion of suffering to Catherine. I can rely on her to make it happen. You go, well, I failed him a million times. He endures. This time you're going to make it work. You're going to do it right this time. God is good. And I can rely on you to suffer well in such a way that I'm going to be glorified and honored by the people around me, even though you failed a million times. Some of you, see, we don't think God's like that because we're not like that. The minute somebody fails us, you write them off. Oh, I'm not going to put you in that situation. Yeah, I'm a manager. Yeah, I make hiring decisions by whether or not the person's going to fail me or whether or not they're going to succeed. That's not how God makes his decisions. He says, I'm going to put that guy through suffering, and he's going to endure this time, and this time I can rely on him to glorify my name. It is an honor to suffer. Think about this. Here's some proof. Satan rolls up in the in, uh, divine council there. God says, Hey, Satan, how's it going? Satan says, ah. God goes, Hey, you think about this guy, Job? He's pretty awesome. And then it sets off this entire series of events of destruction in Job's life. What is God saying about Job? God looked down in heaven and said, I can rely on that guy. Matter of fact, I'm going to make a whole book about that guy. And that guy is going to inspire millions of people, the book of Job has. Hasn't Job inspired you? One guy that God looked down from heaven and said, I can rely on him Anytime you're suffering, that's what God is saying about you. From your stubbed toe to your compound fracture, God is saying that you are somebody who could bear up under that weight. When you and him both know that without him, you can do no such thing. He's a good dad. A good dad is a dad that's going to believe in you beyond what you believe in yourself to accomplish. The quality of being proven dependable. Here's the other thing about character. Here's what suffering does. It exposes flaws that you did not know were there. It exposes your character to you. You know, Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceptive and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The answer is only God knows it. As so many people, I've said it. You don't know my heart. I know my heart. You don't know your heart. The Bible just says you didn't know your heart. The Bible says your heart is deceitful. What do you mean you know your heart? You don't know your heart. How many times have you done something that has surprised you? How many times have you surprised yourself with craziness that you've done? You don't know yourself. Who knows you? God. What what did David say in Psalm 139? Search my heart, O Lord. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Suffering exposes to you who you really are. It exposes to you who you really are. Because you don't know your heart at all. And so God says, I'm going to show you what your heart actually is. This is what your heart actually looks like. That's why at the end of the book of Job, even though Job is called a righteous man, what happens? At the end, he repents in dust and ashes because there were parts of his heart he hadn't seen until he went through that. Here's the other thing about character. God's suffering also shows you how far you've come where you didn't know how far you were. Some of you are actually farther along in your Christianity than you realize. And then God puts you through some horrible tests and trial, and he handles that trial like a boss. And you go, whoa, I am farther along than I realized. Suffering also does that for you. And I was hearing about somebody today, and they're going through a pretty stressful situation, and the Lord said, he's my son. I said, whoa, whoa. She is, she, she's farther along than she probably thought she was crazy situation with her kid and God says, I know you're worried about your kid, but he's my son. Like, whoa, she's hearing the voice of God. That suffering that God put her through was to show her how far along in her Christianity that she actually was. She's actually pretty far along than she thought she was. Okay, so suffering shows us all that. It shows us where we sin and where, where we still need work. And it also shows us, hey, hey, you're farther along than you realize. And suffering in Paul's mind produces hope. Now, biblical hope is a little bit different than than normal hope, okay? When we say, I hope so, it's usually 50 50, or 30 70, or 20 20 80. Five years to graduate high school. When we say we hope so, it's like, eh, biblical hope is guaranteed. Biblical hope is about a guaranteed future. When Paul talks about the hope of the resurrection, that's not a 50-50 hope. That's not like a, well, maybe we're going to rise from the dead. No, we are definitely going to rise from the dead. So when you're talking about biblical hope, we're talking about a confident expectation of a good future. We constantly expect the future is going to be good. That's what we mean by hope. You say, well, wait a second, Andy. You just said that suffering is part of the Christian life. And was it good for Perpetua to have that sword go through her throat until she died? What are you talking about? Good future. What are you talking about? Just be real. Watch this. What is the good future that we have confident expectation of? Look what Paul says. Hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know what's in your future if you're a Christian? Suffering is in your future if you're a Christian. You know what else is in your future if you're a Christian? God is going to use that suffering as an excuse to what? Pour his love into your heart. That's how I know you have a good future. Because when Perpetua was taking her last breath, her entire spirit was being flooded with the love of God. Well done, daughter. Soon you and I are going to be together. Hold on a little bit longer. Pour it into her heart, and that's how she left this world. That's how you're going to leave this world. I know your future. You're Christian. All suffering is designed to do. Your endurance, your character, is going somewhere. And it's going beyond your usefulness to God. And it's going through God, pouring out his love into your heart in ever-increasing measures. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. When you first become a Christian, your the bucket in your heart is like, you know, four feet across. Okay? And you're full. And you go, wow, Christianity is awesome. Have you had that experience? Full bucket of your heart. And then God puts you through the wringer. And you go, oh, this sucks. And you don't realize what's happening Is God is stretching your bucket. Now your bucket is eight feet. So that he can pour more love into your heart. Then he puts you through more. And all he's doing is he's... Expanding your heart, but you feel like he's tearing your heart apart. Well, he is. He's doing both. He's tearing your heart apart, but he's expanding it so that you can carry more of the love of God into your heart. i promise you something. In 50,000 years, pain is not going to be there. Endurance is not going to be there ever again. Suffering is not going to be there. But you know what's going to remain for you in 50,000 years? The love of God poured out into your heart. God is using the suffering that's part of this old world to bring you the love that you're going to experience every second of your life in the new world. He's bringing that together into your heart. That's why you suffer, so that you can know the work of God in ways that you did not know before. You know, James says, if you're happy, sing. Worship. And like Chloe said, I oh, mean, good night, Chloe. She is 17 years old. This girl right here. I remember we baptized her sister last year. And she's like, yeah, we gotta get my sister saved. My sister has to get saved. And then Chloe's out there at her graduation last week. We played hooky from church. Because we went to our sister's graduation. And we stood up, they called her name, and we said, Jesus! And and then there was this little awkward moment where you're like, when you get your diploma and you walk back to your seat and it's all quiet and you're waiting for the uh, other people to go. And Chloe stands up in the middle of the stage and she goes, Jesus Christ is king. I said, what? Are you kidding me? 17-year-old girl? Congratulations. Talk about Jesus Christ is king. What? This is madness. You know what that was? That was the accumulated moments in her life, she's been walking with Jesus for a year, of all the suffering in her life brought her to that moment. Every stubbed toe, every compound fracture, she's had a couple of them, brought her to that moment where she didn't care how cool she looked. Jesus Christ is king, you're gonna know about it. I'm close. here we go. <laughs> That's all of you. All of you. This is what God's doing. I feel the pride of God for some of you. For some of the things that he gone through. He's proud of us. He's a good father. This is the gospel, isn't it? Isn't it true that Jesus suffered? But isn't it true that he suffered so that love could be poured into his heart? Because what does the scripture say? Out of the suffering of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. What is he satisfied in? You know what he's satisfied in? Our love to him. Jesus suffered so that we could pour our love into his heart. And we suffer so the love of God can be poured into our hearts. This is Christianity. There was the Savior who lived bled, died, buried, rose from the dead so he could love us forever. And now he puts us in a community. And we're not going to quit. All right. I love you guys. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much to my friends and my family and my friends who are our family. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. Thank you for endurance, Jesus. Thank you for worship music. Thank you so much for Chloe and Catherine. God, I pray right now you pour out the Holy Spirit over all of us, God, and that we will be drowning in your love. And that we would not be ignorant and that we would not forget why we suffer. And that we would trust you to till the soil of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Cell 53, Proclaiming the Kingdom of God for the Sake of the City. For more resources, visit cell53.com.